those who can hear me, I say, do not despair. The misery that is now upon us is but the passing of greed, the bitterness of men who fear the way of human progress. The hate of men will pass and dictators die, and the power they took from the people will return to the people. And so long as men die, liberty will never perish. Soldiers, don't give yourselves to brutes. Men who despise you, enslave you, who regiment your lives, tell you what to do, what to think, and what to feel, who drill you, diet you, treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder. Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men, machine men with machine minds and machine hearts. You are not machines, you are not cattle, you are men. Welcome everybody, this is Room Tone, the radio show, and here we are on Cop Radio 100.5 FM. I'm Ruggiero, your host, and let's do it. Let's head dive right into it. Today's guest, I want everybody to raise your hands for Ingo Lu. Hey. How are you doing, Ingo? How's it going, Ruggiero? Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you here. This is all about passion. We're here to celebrate the film community oh, yeah. here in Vancouver. So I just say, let's do it. Let's make it happen. And let Absolutely. me ask you right away, who are you? Sure. Um, I'm a producer. I'm an independent film producer in Vancouver. I've got a small production company called Trembling Void Studios. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I've just generally been involved in the indie film community here, uh, working in every capacity from assistant director to production manager to producer, uh, you know, you name it, just whatever the project requires. Amazing. So the thing that's strong about Ingo is, of course, um, you know, being part of uh, so many different projects. And I remember his speech at the end of Crazy Eights this year, yeah. and he kind of stuck with me. And I said, "Okay, this guy's got something to say, you know." And uh, this is this definitely feels like the perfect opportunity to explore the world of Ingo and what he's been doing in the film community, and also what's his projection in the film community. And that's where I want to start. I want to ask you, where do you come from? Sure. So for those of you guys who didn't attend the Crazy Eights this year, uh, Ruggiero's referring to uh, my uh, 30 seconds in the spotlight at the Center for Performing Arts on uh, February 23rd this year, where we were... Uh, I just, I just, you know, had to thank the crews of Vancouver, the uh, the really hardworking people who uh, work behind the scenes tirelessly. And um, I mean, I really got this theory that one day, people will look back at this, this, this epoch of human history, wondering like, how the hell did they get that many people to work together collaboratively for like no money? to create these <laughs> amazing works of art. And I mean, future historians and conspiracy theorists, theorists will invariably draw the conclusion that it was aliens who did it. That was a very, very neat way to put it and it sort of like stood out for sure. And uh, you know, that being said, you know, uh, Ingo, I just, uh, you know, looked into Trembling Void and you know, and, and the amount of, of work that you guys have done. And I wanna ask you, what is Trembling Void to you? Ah, sure. That's a great question. Um, I mean, Trembling Void, to me, uh, it sort of represents, uh, hopefully, the sum total of the creative efforts of literally dozens, tens, maybe even hundreds of people at this point. Yeah, definitely hundreds of people who have uh, sunk blood, sweat, and tears into creative endeavors and made some really cool films and televisions and shows. Awesome. And you're also an AD. Is that yeah. correct? Yeah. Oh, yes. I want to hear some AD stories right here. <laughs> <laughs> really? Jeez, <laughs> um, you know, uh, the ADs don't generally tend to live the most exciting lives. In fact, the less exciting, the better. Um, meaning that <laughs> as an assistant director, it means you've got, you know, your stuff together. You got it all figured out. But I remember this one time. Um, I was ADing a music video for an artist named Tristan Thomas, and he had uh, a music video that Red Castle Films was recording, and they'd flown in this uh, rock star director named Aaron A. from Toronto, and I mean, this guy's, he's done all the biggest music videos, and um, Tristan Thomas is a uh, Justin Bieber-like <laughs> okay. Boy artist. And, you know, he's got some sick moves and, like, there's a muscle <laughs> car. Um, they okay. even cast uh, some a 24-year-old girl to pose as his girlfriend. He was uh, 16 years old, I think, at the time. And um, so, yeah, we put this really, really complicated 
shot together. There's uh, there's rain towers. There's tons of lights. This is happening in the middle of the night. Uh, we've got an actor, which is the artist, who's going to be dancing in the rain. And so, as you can imagine, it takes a lot of effort to set up. The aid, as the AD, I'm calling the shots, making sure that all the special effects and everything like that are sorted out and ready. The actor's finally out of costumes, hair, makeup. The, the, the camera's in position. Everything is finally ready to go. And as the AD, I'm saying, okay, so, all right, cue the water. It starts raining on set. Okay, cue playback. And the song that we've heard over and over and over again, <laughs> and we're so sick of, starts playing again. I'm, I'm not. I'm like on autopilot at this at this point. I'm just kind of watching out, making sure that people aren't setting themselves on fire or anything like that. And you know, everything seems to be going well. And then there's this moment in the song where it sounds like the word "cut." Okay. And so again, uh, this yanks me out of my trance, and I'm like, "Oh, the director called cut. Okay, uh, cut, everybody, cut. <laughs> okay, let's uh, turn the water off. Okay, uh, kill playback, please." And the director looks at me like, "What the <laughs> hell did you just do?" So that's quite something right there. <laughs> that's yeah. neat. It's the moral of the story is as an AD, you got to pay attention and just sort of stay focused all the time. Yeah, but I mean, no like, it's, it's we have the, you know, um, in some shows, you know, this 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 is normal, man. After you got your brain switched on for all that time, you got to allow yourself to just step back a moment, you know, just uh, sure. head dive into your clouds and just uh, stay out of it. Because that way you go nuts, you know, you go nuts with all those, that paperwork yeah. and all that, you know, all those numbers, you know, all those numbers, talking about numbers. But that being said, you know, I want to ask you about your own uh, productions you know yeah. and the aspect more related to co producing films you know sure. I know you've been producing uh, a lot of content lately and I want to ask you if there's the, a specific highlight or a specific project you would like to talk about sure sure um, well we at Trembling Void were the first to create a transgender sitcom as in, as in a, a TV sitcom that aired nationally in Canada um, with predominantly gen uh, transgender uh, cast uh, about transgender subject matter and that that was really a first and really sort of you know kind of proud of that that landmark uh, TV sitcom um, we uh, we got a deal memo from out TV to, to create these uh, six episodes and that was uh, yeah that was that was really cool because you know it was kind of also my first time being able to see just how easily film as a medium lends itself to activism as well because uh, you got to remember this is 2015 back before transgender was even a thing in the cultural zeitgeist, right? So, um, and, um, you know, another, another thing that we, uh, we moved on to doing then uh, was uh, creating a couple feature films uh, that uh, were original content, which were then uh, broadcast uh, and picked up for distribution internationally. We actually had a, a Japanese screening for our first feature film, a Japanese theatrical release which was awesome uh, to get to go to, to Oita and... Uh, Congratulations, yeah, that's, a, that's yeah. amazing, you know. Uh, the whole journey of, of producing a film, putting it together, and having it picked up as distribution, and especially twice, it's a, it's a really good recognition. So congratulations for that, that's, that's amazing right there. What's the biggest challenge, and at the same time, the biggest, the moment where you saw it all come together, the biggest satisfaction in the process of producing a feature film? I think it happened well before that, and and I guess sort of that that aha moment. I mean, I guess I can refer to two. One is sort of like, on a big picture scale, like my overall career. The moment I realized, oh crap, I can do this for money one day. <laughs> nice. Or just that moment in every film, and and every as a producer, every picture has that moment where you have invested all of the energy that is necessary for it to take on a life of its own where the film or show just has enough momentum it will you've hired all the right people all the funding is in place you have people who are told to show up at a certain time of day and then suddenly it's just going and you're it, you know you're, you're pushing you're pushing this build boulder up the hill first but now you're chasing behind it just to keep up right and so it's really cool to once you get a show off the ground and it's just it's just rolling and uh, you know you, you put all the pieces together and you can feel really proud about that nice I can you know uh, I can resonate with that it's a, such a you know so much work that goes into making a film and it feels like uh, you know the 
role of the producer, it's a little bit like the pivotal point for everything to happen, right? It's almost like the core of gravity and, and, and everything sort, sort yeah, of rotates around for it. for a good punching bag. Yeah, oh, that's a good, that's a good one. What do you mean with that? Oh, <laughs> no, that was, <laughs> a good uh, one. that was just, uh, um, I mean, I think at the end of the day, uh, uh, a lot of decisions get made uh, by production that aren't always obvious. Uh, decisions, right? They can be controversial, they can be uh, upsetting or even offensive, right? But um, film, like any other project, we're talking about a bounded process with rigid parameters, as in you only have this much time, only have this much money, and uh, it's necessary for somebody to <laughs> draw the, uh, define the edges of the sandbox in which to play. Mm hmm interesting yeah. I, I i like that combination of words for sure very neat very neat well let me ask you sure. what's your projection now where do you see yourself in five years after pro having produced so much content and having been on so many sets where do you see yourself in five years ah great question so i mean in five years um yeah, it's a lot of time i mean honestly, <laughs> if you asked me five years ago if you if you'd asked me five years ago where i saw myself i would have said that i hope to be creating meaningful content with people who are meaningful to me and that is true today um and so i think i would like to say in five years time i would still like to be creating meaningful content with people who are meaningful to me mm, great answer give me a high five in the booth man <laughs> That's a great answer right there. Woohoo, 100 points the answer right there. <laughs> well, with that being said, you know, um, talk about meaningful people who are meaningful to you and, you know, to me, uh, it feels like uh, it's it's all about that community, right? And totally. creating that community and all yeah. those bridges and, and sort of connecting with the people that you care about to make things that you care about. As you just said, it's, yeah. it's very well put. But you're also a teacher. That's you right. know, and so it seems like the process of teaching is also meaningful to you. I'd love to ask you how how did you start teaching, and also what teaching means to you right now. Sure, um, I think you know what teaching really represents as a filmmaker, particularly in indie filmmakers. I'd I'd hazard to say that everyone is a teacher, or at least everyone should be a teacher. Um, you know, you talk about community and 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 the importance of it, and I couldn't agree more. But one of the major ways that we build community is by sharing skills and sharing knowledge and um, you know there's nothing more uh, inspiring than seeing um, you know the older generation sort of bringing up the new generation with uh, filling their heads with with tips and tricks and you know uh, hacks and how to you know how to get it done right mm -hmm. kind of going back to that whole thing about aliens and being like how the hell do they do that <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it, this is the skill and the knowledge that's locked up inside the brains of um, all of the really super talented uh, crew in Vancouver. And I mean, this is, this is what, it, what this is all about. So you, you ask, like, what's, you know, the, the role of teaching, what I've had. I mean, as an indie filmmaker, yeah, like, uh, sometimes we don't have the budgets that uh, some of the bigger Hollywood shows might have, um, meaning that we might not get the most skilled labor because we can only afford to pay people um, whether it's like a hundred day dollars a day or 200 bucks a day some kind of honorarium food you know and uh, so we get the situation where we're always training people and we're always developing skills and I think that that's uh, as long as we do that with a smile on our face and are happy to learn and happy to teach we're gonna have a really vibrant community interesting so you think there is a difference between mentorship and teaching uh, I, I mean, a mentor is just a teacher who sticks around longer, I think. Oh, interesting. Okay, there you go. There you go. So, you know, a mentor might have um, uh, uh, maintained contact, whether that's through Facebook now and again or have coffee regularly. And, um, I mean, what kind of a community, film community would it be if we didn't actually uh, want to you know, have a vested interest in each other's careers? Well said, well said. There you go. Uh, it feels like uh, the community here in Vancouver really is, is, very, uh, is very connected, yeah. very intimate, and so fluid. It really flows so well. And I think that that also uh, you know, helps to have you know, local film schools or organizations that sure, sort of yeah. bring so many people right, to the city. Yeah. Uh, what, do you have any experience with film school? Is this something that, that you've gone through? Or is it, uh, what, what's your take on that? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, I think film school is only one part of the, the 
puzzle and you know in, in building that that vibrant community uh, but I did go to the Langara uh, film arts program um, back in uh, 2013 um, when I was uh, trying to get a web series off the ground and um, and you know they have a really great program really dedicated uh, 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 instructors who uh, really give a crap about their students and they have this very collaborative approach um, where they really focus on the idea that a film is made by many many people not by an auteur director um, but um, more recently um, I started uh, teaching at InFocus Film School um, teaching the ADing and uh, producing curriculums uh, most recently and um, then uh, starting this year I, I became an adjunct professor at LaSalle College where I teach the pre-production program in the uh, audiovisual faculty. Congratulations. Wow, that's, oh, that's, that's awesome. And let me ask you, what do you, every time you step in the class, you know, is there a specific formula or way to see people that are, that are going to make it in the industry or people that are going to have a specific angle on filmmaking? Is there a way as a teacher to see uh, the future of a student? Uh, no, I don't think so at all. I, I, but I do think, though, that there are more than one route to success and um, what I try to stress to all my students is that uh, not only is the film industry accepting of people of all types, it requires people of all types. And I'm really kind of talking about skill sets and personalities and aptitudes. Um, it, uh, and, and obviously not everyone is suited to uh, each of the different um, positions on set, right? So uh, if you think of the typical personality of someone who ends up as an AD is much different than someone who has a typical uh, personality who ends up as a director. <laughs> okay, interesting. Right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Is yeah. there, you know, I want to ask you if there was a message that you would send to your students out there, what would that message be? Oh, uh, well, I mean, I think that yeah. In the words of the great Mark Twain, um, never let school get in the way of your education. Mmm, <laughs> so tasty, so, tasty right there. Sometimes uh, your instructors might not be happy about that. <laughs> no, I certainly <laughs> would prefer to have my students uh, present and attend. But then again, can I really begrudge someone the opportunity to go to a real set and you know and spend time volunteering there and learning stuff, or you know taking a camera out to shoot something, right? To learn something different, right? So yeah, man, just uh, always be learning and and. Uh, uh, never uh, never give up a learning opportunity that, that comes ahead of you. I like some good inspiration from Ingo Lu right here. Amazing. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm so happy to see how uh, there is this constant inspiration flowing through the community. You know, it's so vibrant, so saturated, you know, and, and with that being said, you know, it feels like Trembling Void is really creating something specifically for the community uh, right now. And I'd love to hear from you about the Trembling Vo uh, Void space. Yeah, thanks, uh, Ruggiero. I think uh, this is what one of the things I've I've been most excited about in my film career is to be able to, um, in an informal s capacity at least, uh, uh, provide the tools and resources for people who want to do awesome creative things, um, whether that's introducing people to some other film professionals or um, offering some some space in our you know in our current uh, office in Olympic Village but um, by the time this goes to air um, which I believe is mid-April yeah this uh, we're gonna be airing this in mid-April will be about two weeks away from launching what's called trembling void space and that is the latest iteration of uh, the Trembling Void production office where we're actually going to be creating a co-working space for indie film professionals. And uh, specifically, we will have uh, a 6,000 square foot space in East Vancouver where we're building a studio and screening room, boardrooms. Um, there'll be permanent offices and hot desking. Um, but most uh, one of the key features of this is that part of the uh, the membership and the Trembling Void community will be gear rental companies, right? Um, such as uh, Film Gear Canada, um, run by uh, uh, Richard McDonald and Aaron, Eric Chen. And uh, so there'll be Film Gear rental companies, uh, startups, that'll be based out of 
trembling void space, which means that any filmmaker who uh, becomes a member, joins uh, our studio to, to just use it for the day, can also have access to uh, camera grip, lighting, set deck, props, locations, gear um, that uh, that is available there as well. Right. And That's so. such an amazing news, you know, and it's so good to hear that, you know, uh, all of this is coming so close, you know, right now we're pre-recording this episode in March to make sure that everybody, we, we can still give and provide, you know, uh, episodes every Thursday with bits and pieces of the film community here in Vancouver. And so I'm so, I'm so looking forward to, uh, the, you know, to this space. What is the actual official name? Is there a specific official name uh, for the space? Just trembling void space. Amazing! Yeah, Doesn't so. that sound good? Yeah, YouTube has a really cool uh, model for this called YouTube Space in Los Angeles and Toronto, uh, New York, and they have these large facilities where they invite anybody who's reached over a certain uh, number of subscribers. They can come and use the space for free, right? Um, you know, for us. Um, Part of our business model uh, involves being able to develop these kinds of studio spaces in um, uh, a warehouse spaces in Vancouver that are sort of underused industrially, which means that uh, if we can get a deal on a space that's about to be torn down in three to five years, that gives us plenty of time to create these uh, artist spaces where people can set up their production company, where they can run their gear rental company, where they can uh, host events, they can have an editing suite, post-production, uh, color, everything like that, right? All Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Let me ask you, how will people be able to join uh, this space and be part of this space? Yeah. Uh, to join Trembling Void Space, to join the co-working uh, space, initiative um, we have rather than having subleases uh, where we are in effect sub or I guess like landlords um, <laughs> we're instead creating uh, a membership regime where people can join at a different membership tiers and um, at the uh, the the at the one end, you're going to have uh, full permanent uh, offices, 800, 900 square feet uh, to yourself, uh, private, but you'd also have uh, access to the uh, studio and uh, the screening room, the meeting rooms. And, um, and uh, then on the other end of things, people who just want to come in and work for a day, for an afternoon, for a few days uh, on just on a project, you know, to get and get out of the house. But you know, be near other filmmakers, you got hot desking, right? And so you come in and you just uh, grab a desk for uh, for a couple of bucks uh, for the day. Um, and uh, starting out, uh, we'll be pretty liberal with uh, l giving people the studio access privileges because, you know, we want to get the word out, right? So um, we want to make sure that, uh, you know, all of the members, anybody who comes in, even if it's just a hot desk, they can, you know, they can ask to book, the, book out the studio and everything like that. Wonderful. And how could, they, let's say, you know, someone who's listening right now would love to sort of uh, connect and, uh, you know, find, find its own space, you know, yeah. in, this, in, this, in, in this aspect of the community. How can they reach out to you? How can they uh, get to know more about the details of this process? Yeah, I mean, anybody can send an email to info at tremblingvoid.com. Um, and uh, I'm, if you're in the film industry, chances are you're only one degree of separation on Facebook <laughs> from me. So come uh, track me down there. Um, but you know, I, I'd, uh, I'd say probably email at this point is the best way to uh, to get in touch and find out more and see if um, the space, the studio, is right for your project, and your company. Nice and tasty. You know what we're gonna do? Yeah. We're gonna uh, put the the email and the website in the description of this podcast so that uh, you know whoever is is interested can. Uh, come and uh, sort of uh, connect with the community. If you're listening this on air right now uh, on Co-op Radio 100.5, then uh, you can sort of go on the website of the show. This is Room Tone, the radio show. And uh, yeah, we're just here talking movies with the personalities from the film community and we just enjoy talking movies. We love it right here. That being said, we are approaching the time to take a break and we're going to be playing the main theme from The Wizard of Oz that Ingo has chosen for us. I want to ask you, why do you choose that song? <laughs> why this soundtrack? Um... You know, The Wizard of Oz, I think, was the first time a lot of people saw a film in color. Um, it might not have been the very first f color film, but it was the first major, major uh, uh, blockbuster release in, in color. And I think that that um, is kind of part of the magic overall of filmmaking, right? Just to, to, to get a bunch of people in a room and then just blow their minds with something, whether that's like a crazy story they've never heard or told in a certain way or just visuals that are, you know, that are just uh, mind-blowing or, or just 
so much better suited to telling the story and communicating emotions, which is the whole purpose of making movies and television, right? So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the, the, the film itself then further sort of uh, symbolizes uh, the, the magic of filmmaking because, you know, The Wizard of Oz, it's all kind of... It's, nothing is real. It's all an illusion or, or a, <laughs> a illusion or a mirage, right? But um, that doesn't mean it can't be magical, you know. And I, mean, I think the film impacted a lot of people. Probably inspired a ton of people to get into the industry. I think that there are plenty of amazing examples nowadays of technologies that are always at the forefront, of the cutting edge, whether that's 3D or virtual reality, things like that. Um, ways that our industry is evolving and uh, will continue to blow people's minds. Wonderful. That's Ingo Lu for you right there from Trembling Void. And uh, that was a beautiful, beautiful lead into the soundtrack that he's chosen for us today, the main theme of The Wizard of Oz. Enjoy. We'll catch up in a minute. Welcome back, everybody. This is a Room Tone Radio Show. I'm Roger, your host on 100.5 FM Co-op Radio here in Vancouver. This is the show we take you right in front of the personalities of the film community here in Vancouver. And let's head dive right into it because today we have with us from Tem Trembling Void, it's Ingo Lu. So, Ingo, how are you doing? Hey, uh, yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. We had a really good time on the first half, and uh, here we are pre-recording this episode for April. It's something uh, really, really exciting is, uh, is about to happen in April for Trembling Void, and I want to pass the word over to you and uh, tell us again what's happening uh, for Trembling Void. Oh, we'll be creating uh, Vancouver's first co-working space for indie film professionals, and uh, we've got a 6,000-square-foot uh, studio that we're building in East Van near Clark and Pender and uh, we'll have uh, gear rental companies moving in with us and uh, various production companies and um, people involved in, in all uh, aspects of production right so uh, have a space for people to work and create and collaborate and uh, ideally uh, uh, to really foster that sense of community which we're really uh, you know which is really one of the best things about the Vancouver indie film scene and uh, try to uh, kind of formalize uh, the the arrangement uh, where you know have people under one roof anybody who needs gear or has got a story something they're putting together or just need to work on a project uh, developing a call sheet uh, doing auditions need to tape it um, if they want to just test out an idea in the studio we'll have a big ass green screen studio with <laughs> 20, <laughs> nice 22 foot ceilings right uh, with the lighting grid in the ceiling so yeah it's uh Really looking forward to it. Isn't that the ultimate formula for community? Wow, that's some juice right there. Yeah, congratulations. It's an amazing idea. How did, did you guys have that idea? Um, 
the idea for uh, Trembling Void Space has been a very organic evolution because um, we've always had a, an office that was much larger than we needed just for ourselves. Um, so from our office in Olympic Village, which was 2,000 square feet, we were able to carve off large portions of that that we were able to invite uh, everyone from costume designers to other production companies to uh, films in progress to uh, sound engineers to... Um, people working on on a big uh, art uh, installation or a piece of art, right? So uh, it's always been a space for people to come in and just kind of use the space. And so we figured, well, if that works on a smaller scale, that maybe we can sort of really scale it up and uh, try to see if there's any synergistic value of people being in the space together with each other. Neat, neat. I love the sound of that. I love it. I'm really looking forward to it. And, you know, we're going to put, again, the, the website and an email just in the description of this podcast as well so that people can awesome. connect and look into uh, how to be part of this uh, synergy, you know. Yeah. Now, I want to ask you specifically, you know, about your artistic background and what led you into filmmaking. Sure. Um, sometimes when people ask me how I got into film, I say, by process of elimination. <laughs> That's good, man. I, um, That's good. <laughs> I was uh, I was about thirty years old when I got into film, actually. Right, so um, I, uh, I I studied biochemistry in undergrad at uh, Oh damn University of Toronto, um, and m mostly I think I just did that because I think I did well in high school science. So the way our education system is set up is you're supposed to pick what you're going to do for the rest of your life based on your high school scores, right? So mm. needless to say, um, I didn't stick with that for too long. I did some some research uh, uh, in uh, cancer biology, I think, for a while at SickKids Hospital. But then uh, I pretty quickly realized, well, I'm kind of a little more interested in like business. And um, there was this part of me that wanted to become a tech billionaire at some point. But mm -hmm. um, fortunately, uh, 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 no graduate schools in biochemistry would accept me. So um, mm -hmm. I was for <laughs> forced to start a couple <laughs> other businesses uh, just to kind of really kind of get a sense for what that was like, right? So um, I painted houses in Toronto for uh, a few years um, and realized that I kind of had a knack for like uh, running a small business and, uh, and sales. Um, and uh, I ended up uh, going to Boston to, uh, to, to train people to do that uh, at a, a company called College Pro Painters, where we really focused on developing these skills, uh, these business skills uh, in, in youth, uh, university students, right? Um, so, you know, coming out of that, I kind of realized that that, that was about 25. I, I had my first existential crisis and I was like, oh, what do I got to do? It's my quarter life crisis or whatever. So I wrote down, <laughs> all, I wrote down on a piece of paper all the, the, the things that I'd ever done that uh, brought me joy and, or satisfaction. And I mean, this list went on for pages and pages. And, and I started to summarize these things into groups and categories. And I realized that... Um, the things that I, that really made me satisfied or brought me joy and happiness um, involved people, projects, and ideas. And uh, I figured, well, there's probably not that many different careers that could offer that. But um, project management is one, and producing is another. Um, based on what I knew about those two careers, well, uh, I didn't know anybody in the film industry at the time. Um, so, but I mean, living in Toronto, um, I, it, it, there's plenty of people in business and, and project management was an avenue that was available to me. Um, I ended up uh, being a project manager for a tech company for about four or five years. Um, and then um, we came out to Vancouver together. My wife got into grad school here. And um, then uh, very shortly after that, my bike was stolen. Mm. And, uh, you know, I hadn't been received getting a lot of satisfaction with my project management job. Um, but uh, there was sort of this creative element that was really lacking in uh, the work that I did. And also, they didn't have any idea what I was doing at work. Uh, the management was all still back in Toronto. So I managed to get my work done in, you know, uh, half the day and I spent the, the rest of the day sort of like languishing. And then, yeah, the, when my bike got stolen, I mean, I was mad about it at the time, but in hindsight, what a pivotal moment because it uh, forced me to uh, uh, do something about it. 
and I decided to make a web series called To Catch a Bike Thief, mm. uh, in which uh, my friends and I would build these GPS tracked bait bikes and lock them up around the city. And so this was like 2011-ish, when it was not easy to get GPS technology on it. Like nowadays, it's like on everything, right? Your watch probably has a GPS tracking device in it. Anyways, um, uh, it really seems like this bike has a lot of meaning to you. And I guess you're a biker, right? Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, it's definitely like how I got around. It was like a, like a, like an, a, a third arm, another appendage. So. Um, <laughs> We made, we made this web series called To Catch a Bike Thief, which kind of accidentally kind of became a huge sensation in the media. And I ended up getting interviewed uh, by major newspaper, television, radio, and um, I was flown across the country to appear on Canada AM uh, on CTV uh, for one nice. day. And uh, on my way back to Vancouver, I mean, I was still technically still employed as a project manager. Mm -hmm. On my way back, uh, when I was sitting there in the airport, I was like, you know what? If there's even a chance that I can make money just creating these insanely ridiculous, ambitious film and video projects, like I'm going to do that. So I called my boss from the airport and gave my two weeks notice. Um, and then I came back and I realized, ah, oh, crap. Now I've got to figure this out. I've got to <laughs> learn how to become a film producer. What a beautiful example of how life somehow throws rocks at you, you know, and how the worst yeah. thing could become the best thing if we take the opportunity to act on it, you know. That's a perfect yeah. example of that, you know. It's almost like that event uh, was, you know, so pivotal to also who oh. you are today. Day, we wouldn't right? be sitting here today right now so interesting life it's so so uh wow yeah beautiful i like that word a lot i like that word a lot is uh -huh. there you know um is there any anything that you know if you if you would have to speak to other filmmakers or story storytellers out there what would you tell them in relation to what you have lived in your own life and in your own film career so far Well, I mean, the honest truth is that in when you're picking the direction you want to go in your film career, um, as I said earlier, there are so many different ways that you could go, and it's often difficult to know what the right thing to do is. And this is something um, uh, my wife, who's uh, very wise, uh, counseled me on early on when you know I would, I would come home and be like, oh, I don't know what the right way to do, what right, the right way forward is. Do I... Um, try to join the Directors Guild and become an assistant director and work my way up through that way? Or do I forge ahead as uh, an indie film production company um, you know, to try to become a producer that way? Do I, um, you know, do I prioritize well-paying mm -hmm. There are many, many ways for sure. Artistic creative endeavors. And the one thing um, that really stuck with me and that I really try to live by even now is to say, You can only act in accordance with your values. And if you do, you did the best you could. So well put. So what are your values, Ingo? Um, I think, you know, uh, treat everybody with kindness and love and compassion whenever you can. It's not always easy. Mm -hmm. um, I think um, I value... Um, Uh, a sense of community that we have built here so I just value just the idea of you know, the principles of community building but also um, uh, uh, mentorship and uh, you know providing a solid platform for people who come behind you who come after you um, love it these these words are you know the juice of it all you know and again as you said the values are really the compass of our life you know and that's that's when beautiful things happen when values align you know when there is that sure, the yeah. common direction that we all share and it feels like the community in vancouver has a macrocosm you know has a has a space where totally. we all share our own values and you know oh, yeah. uh, it's just so beautiful to be part of this you know and that being said you know i'd love to invite you to be part of the one minute pitch right now <laughs> You want to make it happen? We just go for a one-minute pitch, and we, uh, we just get Ingo to pitch whatever you want, man. You can pitch whatever you want, one minute. You ready? All right, here we go. I'm going to sure. hit that clock oh right now. All right. Well, I would uh, really encourage anybody who is working on a creative project who's in the film industry to sit up right now. If you're working on a project, if you're wanting to start a company, if you're not sure how to begin, um, 
I'd like you to consider working out of a co-working space like Trembling Void Space. I'd like you to consider for one second um, the value of having dedicated space for indie filmmakers, whether they're writers or actors, directors, anybody who's practicing developing their craft, um, you know, the value of being under one roof with a bunch of other like-minded professionals. Um, we have so much to offer each other in this city um, as indie filmmakers in Vancouver. Uh, it would be really phenomenal if you could uh, uh, check us out. Um, we'll have a studio, um, green screen studio, um, screening rooms, boardrooms, uh, offices for yourselves. Yeah, check us out. Amazing, and that's one minute right there. So, Trembling Void Space. Now, when will people be able to step into that space? Well, um, the uh, the architect uh, for the uh, the building is uh, just making some space modifications in it right now. It's got to be inspected by the city, after which point uh, they will award us our business license. And uh, that, uh, well, we've been pushed back a few times already, but uh, we would very much love to open our doors on May 1st and uh, invite uh, filmmakers to come and uh, be part of the uh, that studio amazing so may 1st everybody keep your eyes open you know may 1st trembling void space amazing more info to come soon now we are about to wrap this whole burrito up because we're approaching uh, the end of the episode and uh, we're gonna go for the proust questionnaire all right you ready so we're gonna pick five questions randomly out of the proust questionnaire proust wrote down 35 questions believing that they would help us identify someone's true self okay. you know so let's just go for it and let me ask you the first question of the proust questionnaire for Ingo is what is your current state of mind oh my god my current state of mind <laughs> I mean I'd be lying if it wasn't uh, a mix of many uh, emotions sometimes they're conflicting and you know uh, um, on the one hand of course um, you know the reality is um, a certain amount of uh, anxiety over the projects that we're working on are we going to raise enough money for them um, is anybody going to want to come and use you know actually join us at Trembling Void Space um, you know is this the right distribution or festival strategy for this show or the other one um, and then on the other hand I'm also just feeling a real sense of uh, gratitude that uh, we've got such a great place to do it um, you know Vancouver the indie scene here being uh, just a great place for people to be creative and develop their own work. There's just the right amount of infrastructure. We got amazing talent. We've got um, uh, access to capital between StoryHive grants and, and various other funding agencies. Um, and of course, the depth of talent because all of the uh, big Hollywood shows come up here and uh, they pay us well to make their movies, but they leave the skill behind. And every show that you're on, you're gonna you're gonna find people who are just like, yeah, I'm a gaffer, but I've also got this other skill. Like I'm also directing a movie, right? Or I'm also I'm a costume designer, but I've also got this other things. So, just uh, really grateful to be uh, in a place where those kind of people exist. Mm -hmm, nice. And that leads us to the second question of the Proust questionnaire: Which historical figure do you most identify with? So they have to be dead. Historical figure. <laughs> take it how you want to take it. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, my God. Um, Interesting question, huh? I don't know. Can I take a pass on that one? I Ooh, okay, let's take a pass on that one. All right. All right. Then um, let's go to the third question of the Proust questionnaire. And uh, we're going to go for what is the quality you most like in a woman? Okay. I mean, I think that that quality would be the same across the board. I mean, are we talking romantically here? Or it's up to you, man. Okay. Take it however you want to take it. <laughs> I mean, in general, and this, uh, this, uh, it's probably a pretty safe way to answer this question. But, you know, uh, the quality I most look for in people around me that I surround myself with, uh, whether they're men or women, <laughs> in <laughs> romantic or other uh, uh, capacity, is uh, following through on uh, commitments, right? So basically, you know, doing what you say you're going to do. Nice. That, that integrity, for sure. Integrity is, uh, is key. 
It's uh, wonderful that you say that because uh, uh, it feels like integrity is always, we always question the integrity of the people around us, right? And I think that that's also a survival instinct, right? Yeah. To see if, if we can trust yes. our surroundings, you know, trust is definitely a very important yeah. aspect that's of true. humanity, right? Amazing. Let me ask you the next question of the Proust questionnaire. What do you consider your greatest achievement? Some days it's still standing. You know, I think I definitely can't say that I have the keys to success or that I know what uh, what will give a person success, but I know that uh, getting up one more time than you've been knocked over has a lot to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, uh, most people who are successful i would say report having a very high tolerance for discomfort (laughs) Uh, so (laughs) that's also well put right there good good next question of the proust question we have two more two more okay what is your greatest regret greatest regret man um geez you're really killing here with these these are these are tough questions questions, man Um, these are tough questions so um I mean, as I, I know, before, I know you can, you can, uh, you can answer these though. That's why I asked them. I yeah. know that um, you know from what I said earlier about um, a, a really good way to go through life is to say, well, you know, am I am I acting in accordance with my values? And if you do so, in theory, you should not feel any regret or remorse, right, for your, your actions, right? That's not to say that you can't imagine that it could have gone a different way and maybe that way would have made you happier or whatever it is or or, or prevented a certain uh, negative outcome but um i mean one and one of those negative outcomes i think you know it comes with uh joining the film industry is that years you become very busy very quickly and um yeah I, I know there's a lot of uh friends and relationships that um i probably didn't maintain to the extent that would be necessary to maintain those friendships, you know, and, and, you know, keep people around over time, right? And so, yeah, I mean, I think that um, that would probably be one of the, one of the, the key regrets um, that I've had. Mm-hmm. Way. You know what? Thank you for sharing that, you know, and I can resonate with that for sure, you know, especially when it comes down to family mm. on my side, you know, and trying to figure out the way to, you know, keep that connection with the family alive, uh, even if there is, you know, physical distance, you know, from yeah. across the world and, you know, and yeah. still, you know, having to, you know, fight for the dream and the constant debate, you know, the dream and the family and, you know, That's and right. the priorities. So thank you for sharing that. That, that was sure, amazing. Yeah. You know, that was neat. And. That leads us to the last question of the Proust questionnaire, and that is, what is your idea of perfect happiness? Oh, well, it doesn't exist. <laughs> uh, there's no such thing as, uh, certainly not if you're, if you're trying to achieve it, because, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely an illusion to sort of be chasing happiness, to say, if I, go, if I achieve this goal, I will be happy. Um, that's sadly not how life works. Um, but uh, I think that if you are able to work in pursuit of those goals, whatever those are, right, and if they have specific meaning to you, um, taking steps to achieve those goals and eventually achieving them is most definitely got to be one of the best ways to feel happy about yourself. Wonderful. Woo-hoo. Thank you for all of that, Ingo. That was amazing. And this is uh, taking us right to the end of our episode of Runtom, the radio show here. Uh, it was a pleasure to chat with Ingo from Trembling Void. And, you know, it's uh, uh, amazing to see how the community flows here in Vancouver and how film really speaks out loud, you know, and the community right. fights for that, you know. It's amazing. Um, you know, uh, before we wrap everything up, I want to ask you if there are any shout outs. This is the time for shout outs. Oh, man. Yeah. Every uh, every person, every mentor uh, along the way or every person who has, uh, you know, stepped up and helped out along the way. Right. Uh, I definitely owe a lot to uh, my business partner, Amy Fox, and uh, my wife, Kate, um, the, the school that uh, helped sort of bring around this thinking of collaboration, that being the Langara Film Arts Program. 
um, the Crazy Eights for being such an excellent institution in Vancouver for uh, uh, developing talent, both in front of and behind the camera um, in the indie, in indie scene. Um, and uh, yeah, to like the amazing cast and crew that we get to work with every day in, in Vancouver. Woo! Amazing, spectacular. Thank you so much, Ingo, for this. Uh, you know, we have to wrap it up. We got to make it happen. Uh, this was Room Tone Radio Show on uh, 100.5 FM Co-op Radio. I encourage all of you guys to check out the Trembling Void space, you know, amazing idea. Seems like you want to you wanna say something more, you know? Okay, okay, then that's it. We're going to wrap it all up. And yeah, I invite you next Thursday to tune in at 11 a.m. or check our podcast on roomtonepodcast.com. And enjoy. This is the soundtrack of The Wizard of Oz that Ingo chose for us. And ciao, ciao.